Isaiah 53, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 53. Tonight we're going to read verse number 11. Thanks again to everyone who's come out tonight. One more night of meetings. I'd like to invite you to come back to listen to the gospel one more time. But we thank you for being here with us tonight. Isaiah chapter number 53, and I'd like to read verse number 11. We've been through the chapter since Sunday and looked at different verses. And one of the things that has impressed me in chapter 53 is again how the Lord Jesus Christ answers every single question. How the Lord Jesus Christ answers every single need. If you think of your life as someone who is broken, you, th- you can think of your life as someone who is needy. You can think of yourself as someone who is poor before God. He answers every need. And if you go through these verses, and as we have seen every single night, in a different way, in this one chapter written 800 years before the act happened, we can see how he answers every single need. Just like at verse number four that we've already seen. We're so weak that we can't carry the load. But in verse number four, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ carries the load. We read in verse number 5 that we, he was wounded for our transgressions. And that last line, by his stripes or by his stripe or by his wound, we have been healed. And we realize that we are sick. We can't carry the load. And we are sick. But he answers the, the need for us weak people. He answers the need for us sick people. We go further down in verse number 6. And we see that he answers the need for a lost person. We're lost Without Christ tonight, if you're not saved, you're lost. But Christ answers the question. As we go to verse number 8, we can see how it was an unjust trial. And we considered that night how the Lord Jesus Christ was taken from prison and from judgment, was taken to that house and to that court and to the cross, and he was nailed there for the transgression of his people. Was he stricken? And we learned there that he's the one who took the punishment we could never take. We learned again here in verse number 10, just last night, how the Lord Jesus Christ made his soul an offering for sin. Do you remember why? Because we've robbed God. We've robbed God. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself has made restitution. We couldn't pay, but he can pay. And tonight what I want to look at is verse Number 11. And what we see here is that as the Lord Jesus Christ looks to his own work, there is satisfaction in what he sees. Last night, Joey talked to us about God looking at the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight, I want to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ looking at his own work. As he would look at what he did, the verse says this He shall be satisfied. Let's read the verse. It says in verse number 11, He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. The way I was thinking about it this afternoon was thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ looking at his own work and then considering his perspective and the way that he would look at what he has done. One of the things that you need to recognize tonight, if you're not saved, is that you need to see things the way that God sees them. You need to see salvation the way that God sees salvation. You need to see your sin the way that God sees your sin. And most of all, you need to see the work of Christ the way that Christ himself sees the work. And what I see in this verse is that Christ looked at the work after it had been done, and he looked specifically at one thing, 
And the word here is the travail. He looked at the labor. He looked at the labor that he had done. And the word that came to mind was this. Satisfaction. When I look at my work, says he. When I look at what I have done, I am satisfied with what I have done. And I want to look at that tonight. I want to look at what he's looking at. And I want to know why he is satisfied. You need to look at what he's looking at. You need to consider his perspective. You need to look at it through God's eyes. What does God think? What does Christ himself think about the work that he has done? Many of you, perhaps in art class, would go to the art museum. And I remember many people having to do this. And the Vancouver Art Gallery, downtown Vancouver, you have to go, you have to sit down, and you have to stare at a painting. And you have to stare at the painting for a number of minutes, and then 20 minutes and 30 minutes, sometimes over an hour. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look at the painting, and you're supposed to see things that you don't see five minutes before. You keep staring, and you see a bit more. And then you notice another detail, and then another detail, and then something else. You keep looking, keep looking, and you'll find out more about what's going on. Well, there's uh, this man who wrote a book called Look Again. Look again. And he gives advice for how to go to a, an art gallery and how you should look at the different paintings that are inside the art gallery. And he used, he used this acronym. He said it's like the, the word tabula rasa. He said, number one, if you're going to understand a painting, you're going to need time. Number two, if you're going to understand a painting, you need to associate yourself with the painting. Number three, if you're going to understand a painting, you need to know the background of the painting. Number four, you're going to have to understand the painting. Number five, you're going to have to look again at the painting. And number six, you're going to have to assess the painting and figure out what you think about the painting. Well, when we look at the work of Christ, this is, you could say it this way, this is the masterpiece. God's own masterpiece as he paid for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, that great masterpiece, greater than any work that you could possibly find in any art gallery, as you look at that masterpiece tonight, you're going to need time. You're going to have to associate yourself with it. You're going to have to know the background. You need to understand. You need to look again. And you need to assess this great painting. What do you see when you look at the work of Christ? I was had the opportunity today, the privilege to speak to a few people here in the street. Not everybody answers the door. Two people did. You know, I asked them the question, when you think about the work of Christ, what do you see? And the first person was a Christian, and they said, when I look at the work of Christ, and I'm convinced that they're a genuine, real McCoy Christian, they said, I see the Son of God who came down to earth, and he gave his life for me. That's what they said. The second man that I talked to, he said, when I look at the work of Christ, I see a man who died, and he's still dying today. And he's going to continue dying because nothing has changed. You know what the difference is? Two people can look at the same painting, and they can come away with a different view. They can come away with a different version. They can come away with a different perspective. But when you look at this painting, you need to have God's perspective can go to the art gallery, and it's all subjectivity. But when it comes to the cross, there's only one way to see what Christ has done. And that's the way God sees what Christ has done. That's the way Christ sees what he himself has done. What's the verdict? What's the conclusion of Christ? It's this. He was satisfied when he looked at his own work. Sometimes when you're at the art gallery, you need to kind of 
dance around. You need to walk around and kind of look at it from the right and look at it from the left and maybe take a step back. And sometimes you need to get close. And as we look at the work of Christ tonight, that's what I want to do. I like to take a step back and I want to work in and I like to look at it from the side and maybe a bit from the top. And we're going to look at the colors and the shadows. We're going to take it from that dark room and we're going to put it up on the wall and we're going to get the lighting shining right on top of it so we can see exactly what was happening at the work at Calvary when Christ died, when he gave his life. The first thing that I see that Christ is seeing as I'm seeing his strength. You know, if you're going to labor, it says he shall see his labor and he was satisfied. If you're going to see labor, you're going to need strength. Working with my dad when I was younger, I wasn't very strong and I was always so proud of my dad. He had those big muscles and he would take that spade and he would put it into the ground and he would dig those trenches and he would move boulders and he would pick up two by fours and he would move things and he would lift things. And I looked at my dad, oh, what a strong man as we'd be on the job site. You know, maybe you look at your dad that way as well. To labor, you need strength. Well, when it came to this labor, when it came to this work at the cross, he describes it as a labor and strength was necessary, but not just any strength. We read in the book of Matthew, chapter number 12, about a strong man. This man is the devil. But in this parable, the strong man is one who's in front of a house and he's so strong that no one can come and no one can move him out of the way and no one can bind him to go inside of the house. But then another man comes who is stronger than him and he binds him up and he pulls him out of the way and he plunders the house. And that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he could take Satan at the cross with his strength. He would defeat death. He would defeat him that has the power over death. That is the devil. Him with all his strength. He defeated him and he took him out of the way. That's what I see when I look at the cross. When I see that great masterpiece, I see the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as it says here, that's what he saw. When he looked at the cross, he saw himself. He saw his own strength. He saw what he did. I want to tell you tonight, you don't have the strength to do what he did at the cross. Stop trying. You don't have the strength to take away your sin. Don't even bother. You don't have the strength to go to Calvary and carry the weight of sin. He's done it all. Rest on him, as people have already done, and you'll be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he looked at the cross, as he looked at that great masterpiece, as an artist would sit back and he would sit in his chair, and as he would look at the painting, and as he would touch it with that last brush stroke, he could sit down in satisfaction and he could say, Oh, the word that came to me was this, singularity. Just once, just once, I don't have to do it again. When he looked at the cross and he saw the anguish, and we've learned about this already earlier on in the chapter, as he looked at the cross and he could remember the pain, and he could remember the sorrow, and he could remember the blood that poured out of his body, and he could remember the crown of thorns, and the men ripping off the beard, and the lashes upon his back, and the people who spat on him, and the crowd around yelling at him, as he looked at his own work, he would sit down and he could say this, I will never go back to that cross. I will never go back to that pain. I will never come back to this world and die again. I will come back a second time. But as it says in Hebrews 9, 
without sin. Without sin. Not to suffer again. He looked at the cross and he could see it just happened once. Downtown Guadalajara, where we lived for so long, there's a statue of this man named Miguel Hidalgo. And on both hands, he has chains. And he's standing right in the middle of the central plaza in downtown Guadalajara. And he stands there, and, and his mouth is open, and he's holding these two chains that are in his hand. And the chains are a representation of a finished work that this man had done. And the work that he did, it was a great work. He, he fought against the Spaniards who were over top of the Mexicans and subjecting them and subjugating them and making them suffer and so on and so forth. And he was part of that great rallying cry to free the Mexican people from the heavy hand of the crown from Spain. So he holds those two chains and they're in his hands. He has broken the chain never to do it again as they hoped. When I look at this masterpiece, many paintings of him all over Mexico, when I look at this masterpiece, I see a man who truly, almost as if I could see him right there, breaking the chain of sin. Did you know that tonight, if you are not saved, you are wrapped in chains of sin? It says in the Gospel of John that he that committeth sin is a slave to sin. It says in the Bible that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And every person here who is not saved, think of yourself this way. This is the picture the Bible gives. You are wrapped around and around and around with sin. But as you think of yourself in that light, look again to that great masterpiece. Look again to that great painting of Christ, as it were, on the cross, breaking the chain of sin. Taking away the sin you could never take away. And he did it all. And he did it all once. There's a man named Claude Monet. And maybe there's people in the crowd who have his paintings in their home. Claude Monet was a very famous French painter. And uh, towards the beginning of his life, he had beautiful paintings. But then towards the end of his life, he started to develop cataracts. And for anybody in the crowd who might have cataracts, well, you know that your vision gets a little blurry. And I know many people down in Mexico, and you start to see the skin develop over their eyes, and they just can't see quite how they could see, or whatever it is on top of their eyes. They couldn't see like they could see before. Well, as he began to paint with these cataracts and with his vision failing, his painting wasn't the same anymore, and he began to be depressed. The paintings he would make would begin to blur and he couldn't see exactly the colors that he wanted to put there. And he couldn't necessarily understand specifically exactly what he was doing. His painting wasn't the same. And he couldn't see it in the same way. What I want to say to each one of you in the crowd tonight, those of you who are young, those of you who have the opportunity right now to look at this great masterpiece of God, to look at the cross, you may not always have this opportunity. I can tell you of people that have come to gospel meetings. And they sit in the crowd politely, just like you're doing tonight. And they'll listen to the meeting, just like you're doing tonight. And they'll come year after year. And they're not here tonight. And they're not in other places where we have been and where we have preached. And they had heard the message. And they have wanted to be saved. And the desire leaves. And they never come back. 
and they die in their sins, almost as if the painting begins to blur more and more and more, and they cannot appreciate what is there. Don't let that be you tonight. You have an opportunity. There is the possibility to be saved tonight. Take advantage of it. Look at what Christ has done. If it is clear to you, rest on him. Confide in him. Trust him for what he's done on your behalf. What we see at the cross is not only the fact that there was strength in that great masterpiece. We don't only see the fact that it was, it was a man who suffered on the cross just once. The singularity of the cross. Well, what you can see in that painting, imagine yourself again. You're in the, the art gallery and you're walking around. And as it was, my wife and I on our honeymoon, we went to New York City and we walked into the Guggenheim Museum. And you're walking around and you're looking at the paintings and there's so many people. And you just peek over one person and maybe for 30 seconds you can see a painting or a different type of, a different work of art. And you try to reach over and see and appreciate what's going on, but it's difficult. And because of our day and the way that it is, because of the digital duress and because of the overload of information, because of our cell phones and because of all the distraction that you have in your life and that maybe you're even distracted by in this very moment, it's difficult to focus and to narrow in on what is most important in your life and what should be most important tonight. I just want to think to you as we look at this great masterpiece, I want you to see what the Lord Jesus saw in the masterpiece. He saw that it happened once. He could see right there the suffering. What he saw was sufficiency. Sufficiency. There's those great words in John chapter 19 and verse 30, and they were ringing through my head today in just three words. It is finished. The cry that came from the Lord Jesus at the cross of Calvary. The sufficiency of the cross. I want to ask you tonight, why was the cross sufficient to take away your sin? Why was the cross enough to deal with your sin? We've seen the answer already in Isaiah chapter number 53. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he gave himself, when he gave his own body, when he offered it up to God himself, it was an offering without sin. It was a perfect offering. And as he offered it to God, it was accepted by him. In fact, that's what you see in this verse. I, I looked at it in different versions today. Just that first line, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Other ways of rendering it are this. He will come out of the suffering of his soul and he will be satisfied. And the point is this, as he comes out from death and into resurrection, a brand new life, he will turn around and he will see what he has done and he will say, I am satisfied with that work. And we learned last night, God himself looked at it the exact same way. And God could see down at what he was doing and God was saying, I am satisfied with what he's done. Why? Because he's sinless. And you're not. It scares me. There's people in the room tonight. You're distracting yourself. As we've noticed in other nights, you're pushing it away. As we've noticed that in some of these meetings, you don't want to listen. You don't want God to speak to you. You don't want to hear what the cross and see what the cross has done because you are not ready to deal with the implications of the cross. One thing I must tell you tonight, you can push away the cross 
You can say, well, I don't really think the cross is enough for me. But when it comes to the end of your life, those words will ring out into all eternity. And one day you will face them. One day you will face them. You will either face them as a believer or you will face them as one who has rejected God. And for all of the ages of the ages, think about this, friend. This is serious. For all of eternity, you will be separated from God, suffering in hell, and those words will ring in your ear. It is finished. And you will say, it wasn't enough for me. It is finished. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Don't suffer away from God when all the opportunities and all the salvation has been provided for you. Everything that is needed to be done has been done. And today, you can look at that great masterpiece. Tonight, you can look at what Christ has done. And you can see what he sees. Do you know what he sees? That's a word we saw tonight. He's satisfied with what he saw. There's another S I was thinking about. You know, you go to look at, at a painting, and today, paintings, <clears throat> well, I have a friend down in Guadalajara, and he tells me, he's an artist, and he says, you know, sometimes people, they like to get into abstract art because today it sells more. Abstract art is really, you know, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and it, you don't really know if it's upside down or right side up, or if you look at it from the left or from the right, you don't know what to do, and you don't know what it means. And people like abstract art, and it's popular, it's in vogue, and uh, maybe it's even cheaper than to buy a Rembrandt or a Monet or whatever it is. Well, one of the problems today is that people like cheap art. But when it comes to the cross, what we're looking at is one of the greatest, sorry, (laughs) the greatest, and for that reason, most intricate and profound and detailed works of art that you will ever see in your life. And the longer you look at it, the more you see. And the longer you stare, the more you appreciate. And the longer you take it in, the more you worship. And I trust that will be your experience tonight. You know, the other S I was thinking of is this, the silencing that happened at the cross. When the Lord Jesus Christ looked back at his work, when he turned around and he saw what he did, another thing that he could say, another reason why he was satisfied was this. I look at what happened there and I can see the moment when sin was silenced. Again, all those people that will be in the lake of fire for all eternity, you know what else is going to be echoing in their ears? Their own sins. Their own regrets. Their own failures. Their own transgressions. It's so sad to speak to a man today, and I asked him again. I've asked him this before, second time we spoke. And I said, how will you be right with God? And he said, the only way to be right with God is by getting rid of our sins and by proving to God that we are good people and by helping our neighbors. None of that can take away your sin. None of that can redeem you from the curse of sin. None of that can redeem you from hell and take you to heaven. Those people who believe that thing, they will be in hell and they will be there for all eternity. And I wonder, I wonder if they are so deceived that they will continue, continue 
to try to scrub away and clean off and take away the sin. The sin that is inside them. Christ, when he went to the cross, look at that great painting. Look up again in your mind's eye, as it were, and look at what Christ did. He silenced sin. He put sin down. He took sin out of the way. He put sin on his back. 2 Corinthians 5. He was made sin. Him who knew no sin. And as he was on that cross in those dark hours, as he was suffering there, what we could never comprehend, sin was finished with. That's why he said those words. It is finished. He could say it is finished in reference to the prophecies. He could say it is finished in reference to the work for sin. It's all done. There's nothing left to be done. When Christ looked at the cross, he said sin has been silenced. What I want to close with tonight, it's not just the way that Christ looks at his own work, but I want to speak to you about the way that you see his work. You see, this is where This is where the cookie crumbles. This is where we get down to business. What do you think about what Christ did on the cross? You personally tonight, young people in the crowd, children, older ones, whoever you are, what do you think about what Christ did on the cross? As it was asked in the Gospels, what think ye of the Christ? And as we saw in the Gospels, those men, they showed what they thought of Christ. There's only so many responses you could have. Those men looked at Christ, and they said, crucify him. Other men looked at Christ. There was a man named Felix, and the apostle Paul, he went to preach to him. And the man said, you know what? Come back at a later time, and I'll let you know what I think. There's other men, they went went to Christ, and they heard what he had to say. A rich young ruler went, and he said to Christ, what can I do? And Christ said to him, Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And that man, he turned away, dejected. Some men reject him outright. Some men say, maybe later. Some men are disappointed. And I'm wondering what your reaction is going to be. What do you think of Christ? What do you think of what he's done for you? What do you think of his death? What do you think of his blood? What do you think of his sacrifice? What do you think of his holy person? Who is Christ To you, that is the most important question you will ever face in your entire life. What do you think of Christ? And if I can narrow it down just a little bit more and get a little bit more specific, what do you think about the travail of his soul? What do you think about the labor of his soul? The things that we saw in these verses, and you'll have to come back tomorrow night to see verse number 12, the third part of these three messages on the soul. What we saw last night, is that Christ's soul. When I look at the cross, I see this. I see Christ's soul as an offering for sin. He restored what he took not away. What we see here in verse 11 is Christ's soul. What does it say? We see the travail of his soul. In verse 10, his soul completes restitution. In verse 11, his soul provides satisfaction And tomorrow night, we're going to look how the soul of Christ poured unto death will provide intervention and intercession for all sinners, for all mankind. What do you think of his soul? It says here that he saw the labor of his soul. And he was satisfied with what he saw. I want to close just saying this. God looked at Christ 
And he said, it's enough. Christ looked at his own work and he said, I'm satisfied. When I was nine years old, I looked at Christ and I said, that was good enough for me. What about you? You tonight here in the crowd sitting in these chairs. What about you there in the back? What about you here sitting, listening to the preaching of the gospel once again? What do you think about Christ? Was it enough? Is there anything more to do? Or was what Christ did the final, complete, and sufficient offering for you? I have to finish with this. And whenever I think about Christ as a masterpiece, I won't go too much over time. Whenever I think about Christ as a masterpiece, I think of him sitting down, sitting in the chair. The final brush stroke is there. The painting is ready to be put up in the gallery. Just imagine yourself walking up to a painting. Walk up to the Mona Lisa. Walk up to one of Rembrandt's most famous paintings. And take your little kid paintbrush from elementary school and start drawing your name or put a flower on it. Is that appropriate? Is that appropriate? Absolutely not. So then why are you still sitting here tonight attempting to add to Christ's great masterpiece tonight with your emotions, with your great and strong faith, with your own works, with your tears? It needs nothing else. The work is done. Rest on him and you will be saved.